All aboard this thing called the Carolina Outdoors. Welcome, everyone. Bill Barty, your host. As I come in each week to break down four different listening segments for your listening pleasure, this week is no different as we have uh, entered in officially to the winter wonderland portion of the Carolina Outdoors. And there are a few groups of people that love when the colder, nastier weather shows up. Yes, of course, the snowboarder and the ski crew likes it when it gets cold and the natural snow starts to fall. But there's another group that likes it, and that's where we're going to delve into on this segment of the Carolina Outdoors. Plus, a bunch of these people tackle this pursuit in or next to water. Duck hunters. And one reason that foul weather makes the ducks a little bit more moving and and movement-oriented is because everything gets a little bit more urgent. And we're going to bring on one of those duck hunters right now. He's hunted throughout the country, uh, all over the southeast. And then some Jimmy Dobes from Southeast Specialty Outdoors joins the program. Jimmy, welcome to the Carolina Outdoors. Hello, Bill. Thanks for having us. Well, we love getting you on here, of course. You are the Hatch Reel representative, Gruden's. You are traveling here and there, but you have a couple of passions that we like to hone into here on the program, one of which, of course, is fly fishing. You've guided plenty of people uh, throughout the southeast on different waters in pursuit of different fish, including a lot of celebrities as well. But the other thing, Jimmy, is duck hunting. And, of course, that's what we want to delve into. You're in the equipment business in, in such a large degree, not only for uh, fly fishing, but also hunting. Because Gruden's with waders and duck hunting uh, uh, equipment, outerwear, that sort of thing is always in vogue during this season. But we wanted to, to use your talent and your knowledge here on the program uh, this week so that our duck hunters can know what to do, what to expect, and those Listeners out there who are not duck hunters know what's going on uh, wherever the ducks are flying. So uh, we're just going to start from the beginning right now. It's a migratory bird season, and it's going pretty much through January. January 31st of 2024 is the end of duck season. So, Jimmy, if we're going out there, we're going to, let's say, set up our blind, our decoys. We're going to do all of that, which we'll get into Jimmy, tell us what we need to look for before we set up. You know, the, the first thing I would I would look at when you you picked your spot, you found your your X as they call it, and and you're going to set up. You want to find out the most important thing is to find out wind direction. Birds are always going to try to land with the wind in their face, and it, it helps them slow down. It helps them kind of drop in, if you will. And once once you've kind of figured out wind direction and you, you know which direction your blind is going to be, you know which direction you're going to be shooting from, then you need to, to basically build your decoy spread accordingly. And, and what we kind of mean by that is, is you want to make sure that you, the ducks are going to land in a certain spot. You, you want them to land where you can shoot at them, basically. So the areas that you can't shoot at are areas that are, you know, you know, maybe it's just a, it's a funny angle or maybe there's a tree in the way. Those kind of areas are where you're going to put your decoys uh, facing into the wind, if you will, 
so that it, it, it creates like a blockage. So you're forcing the ducks to land where you want them to land, and you're using the wind to your advantage. And there's, there's a million little things to learn over the years with duck hunting and trying to figure out these birds uh, with those little tricks like that. And, you know, everything that I've learned, I've learned from somebody else. <laughs> well. and, and little, you know, and little tips and things that you find out on the, you know, that while you're out there really helps a lot. And um, so, the, yeah, the first thing that you'll probably hear every old school hunter say is, figure out which way the wind's blowing. That's the first thing you need to do. Well, and so much of that delves into uh, scouting, I guess, preparing before you even set up uh, according to what you're doing. So so we'll go through the, uh, I guess, the uh, timeline of a day because it sounds like for many people, if they're not, you know, in a, in a home wetlands situation, when they finish up at the end of a day, they may go scouting for the next day. Absolutely. Absolutely. You always want to find out, you know, where the birds are going. And usually where, they, where they're where they at in the middle of the day isn't exactly where they're going to be in the morning or at night where they're roosting. So to, to scout around, and, and the, I'll tell you right now, the folks that put in the little bit of extra effort to scout and find new places are the folks that are going to be the most successful. All right, we're going to get into to all of this. Of course, I have my, my list of questions that I want to get you during the time that we have you, Jimmy Dobes, on the program, if you're just joining us on the Carolina Outdoors. Uh, Jimmy, you men- mentioned, you know, scouting, wind direction. I mentioned in the open about nasty weather, putting a little bit more urgency into these ducks and their movement, seeking out food, seeking out shelter, seeking out whatever they need to seek out, but... Do you have the perfect weather conditions for a good duck hunt? Is it better if it's nastier or snowing or windy? Well, it, it really depends on where you're at, but the short answer is yes, absolutely. And where where we are, where I live in the southeast, I'm in middle Tennessee, so it's we need this absolutely terrible blizzard <laughs> frozen conditions north of us yes. to really drive the waterfowl south and these the are the main birds that are migratory the birds that we're trying to hunt these birds are food focused and when their food is now frozen solid they have no choice but to start migrating south to find warmer weather find more food sources and so forth and as it gets cold up north and it freezes and it stays cold, all of the birds migrating south from Canada and the upper United States are now all fighting for the same food source. So you, you kind of get this competition for food going as well as these birds start making their way farther south. So, uh, But this year, unfortunately for us, it's been an unusually warm season right so it's been very Mm -hmm. tough for us my friends in arkansas are having a tough season um but the folks in missouri from what we're hearing has been great but they're they're kind of on that that line if you will of crummy weather and bad weather conditions and then maybe some of the the warm southern air influence that that we get a lot here in middle tennessee and arkansas and that's just kind of it's, it's literally, we feel like it's just keeping the birds just a little bit farther north than where we are right now. But 
we have a we have a cold front coming through, and as duck hunters, we're probably the most optimistic group of hunters you ever meet. <laughs> and uh, we 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 probably watch the weather more than the weather people do. And uh, so we're we're optimistic this next week. This cold front's going to really give us a push of of some fresh birds. Jimmy, I want to talk to you because you know I've talked to some people, um, and I don't. I've never done this. I was going to see uh, if you have. Of course, duck hunting is really known as a wetlands uh, a hunt for 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 ducks. But what about a field hunt? Have you uh, have you ever participated in a, a duck hunt that originated from a field and not from an impoundment or a river or a lake or some some pond uh, for the ducks to to land? Absolutely. We up in I was visiting my in laws in New Jersey and we had an opportunity to we call it dry land uh field hunting. And it was uh we saw just a bunch of Canada geese laying in, in an old cut bean field and we got some permission to go out there and hunt. And it was pretty much one of the greatest things since sliced bread that we had ever experienced. It was super cool. And one of the one of the I think the negative uh, drawbacks of, of duck hunting is the fact that everything is cold and everything is wet. Right. So if you can <laughs> if you can experience duck hunting and goose hunting without getting wet, that's even better. And we had an absolute riot. Um, and I think if anybody gets an opportunity, it's a great way to break someone into to waterfowl hunting and or folks that don't really like the cold because you can kind of tuck away, but. It's uh, it's it's really neat, and uh, it's really neat to watch the the a thing a bird that you would think is waterfowl, something that's supposed to live in a lake or a pond, right. is now out here in dry ground, miles from any sort of water, eating you know leftover scraps from a from a you know a cut cornfield or a picked bean field. So it's pretty neat. It's really neat. Yeah, you mentioning that makes this a good time for me to mention. Of course, this is according to North Carolina Wildlife Resources Commission. But, you know, with these migratory birds, this goes from state to state, including South Carolina, Tennessee. Uh, But the requirements uh, for hunters, bird hunting, non-toxic shot requirements, that means that no lead uh, is allowed. Lead shot is all prohibited uh, because of uh, poisoning and death to waterfowl that consume it, but steel and tungsten are allowed. There are baiting laws. You cannot shoot waterfowl uh, over any baited areas. That's grains, salts, and other feeds. Anything that's used to attract birds uh, uh, falls into this category, so baiting is illegal. And um, I'm going to ask you about this, Jimmy, before we get into the equipment, which I really want to, is uh, banded birds. If you uh, harvest a duck that has, is tagged um, uh, around its leg or around its neck, it should be reported to the bird banding laboratory. Um, so reporting uh, banded birds is a part of the deal. Jimmy, tell us about your uh, about your time getting banded birds. Have you had any success that way? I have not. Um, I have caught plenty of banded fish and tagged fish and things like that, but uh, apparently I'm not holding my mouth right <laughs> when I'm out there in the field because I have not been lucky. I've had plenty of folks uh, hunting with me that have that have gotten banded birds, and it's it's really cool to see kind of the track record of that bird, how old it was, when it was tagged, where it was tagged, where it was from. I mean, it's it's truly fascinating, and I've never had anyone harvest – 
a bird that was banded anywhere regionally or close by. And they've always been in Canada or like crazy out west, Iowa. You know, it's it's super neat. You never know where they're going to come from. You never know. The voice you hear right there, Jimmy Dobes, he is a Southeast Specialty Outdoors. One of the companies he represents is Hatch Reels, available over at Jesse Brown's. But another one is Gruden's. And, Jimmy, you've had wild success, of course, in the hunting and fishing field, uh, outfitting people with Gruden's throughout the southeast. We're going to delve into this a little bit because for many of our listeners who are maybe going to their duck blind or maybe they've got the boat on, taking it to their special place uh, in the wetlands for them to duck hunt. But, um Talk to us about what we should wear. Let's pretend like it's nasty weather. Perfect duck hunting conditions in the southeast. Um, talk to us about waders, about camo, about layering up in cold weather. What is it that we duck hunters are going to have uh, during the nasty duck season? Well, I think we the best thing to do is to start from the ground up. So with layering, you, you kind of nailed on it right there. The, most important thing is just to stay warm. If you're out there and you're cold, you're just going to be miserable. So you want to you want to dress accordingly. And with layering, you can always shed a layer, but you can never add a layer if you ain't got it. So mm-hmm. the thing that we like to do is we'll start with a good um, kind of like a lightweight base layer, and then I'll follow it up with with a heavier weight fleece or some kind of insulation piece, both on my pants as well as up on my torso. And then on top of that, I will try. I will usually have like a windstopper material on, whether it's a pan or a jacket. And then if we're, let's just say we're hunting in the water, so we're maybe we're timber hunting or we're hunting out of a flooded field, then I'm going to wear my waders. And usually where, you know, in my instance where I live, um, we use a lot of breathable waders because when it's cold and crummy, for us that means it's about, 35 40 degrees but if you talk to somebody who's in missouri or arkansas or something like that where they talk about it being crummy it might be sub-zero conditions and they're out there wading around in frozen water and things like that so they have a little bit different conditions and they might use more of like a neoprene waiter or something that's a little bit thicker or insulated just to create a little bit more of a barrier from the elements um, but with Grundens, we do a lot. Of, we sell a lot of breathable waders, uh, especially across the southeast in my home turf. That's kind of our bread and butter. Whether you're in Louisiana, Mississippi, Tennessee, Carolina, etc., you don't want to have super thick waders because in the in the well in the normal event that it's warm, you're going to die in thick, heavy <laughs> neoprene waders. You're just going to sweat to death, and it's just going to be miserable. Um, and then also for us, it, it gives us a crossover piece too. Yeah. So coming from the fly fishing background, you know, we're going to use the same breathable waders that we sell, you know, for fly fishermen. We're going to wear them duck hunting as well, because they're still both earth tone colors. They're, they're designed to be muted and to kind of blend in. You don't want to be a, you know, a hunter orange object out in the middle of a trout stream trying to catch a fish that's, you know, very wary. And it's the same thing waterfowl hunting. So our waders are always going to be drab. They're going to be earth-toned. They're going to blend in. And then on the flip side, we have a lot of hunters that that boat hunt, and they don't get out in the water, and they're not wading around. And a lot of folks on the eastern shore, 
um, all the way south through the Outer Banks and then all the way down, you know, basically into Jacksonville and even in some of those salt marshes, they're not waiting around. The mud's soft. There's oysters, barnacles, you name it. They're not getting in the water. And they're using grunnings for, um, like, all of our bibs and our jackets that are camouflaged or some of them that are just like an earth tone green from our commercial history or our commercial fishing background. And those guys, that's what they're looking for. They're blending in. They're hiding in the grass. They're hiding in the marsh. And those particular pieces, uh, it's a solid PVC material. So it is 100% waterproof, and it's 100% windproof. So for them, it creates an additional barrier against just the crummy elements. If you've ever duck hunted on the coast, uh, there's no shelter from the wind. There's no shelter from spray and elements and things like that to and from your hunting spot. So it can be really miserable out there if you're not dressed, you know, accordingly. So that's that's definitely, first and foremost, you want to start with your base layer, be able to shed a layer if you need, and then start layering on top of that. So whether you need waders for, you know, waiting to whatever you're wanting to do, or you need bibs for the boat hunting. Um, you know, we've, we've pretty much got you covered there, and that, that's kind of where I would start. Duck season is in full effect, Carolina Outdoor listeners. Uh, it is until January 31st, 2024. We have Jimmy Dobes on the program kind of talking our way through it. Jimmy, I want to have a little bit of fun now. We've talked about the outerwear, the layers. We've talked about the weather, the conditions. Colder, nastier is usually better. A little snowstorm coming up really makes it good. Um, But let's have fun and talk about two different things, one of which is the duck call. The second is going to be dogs to go get those ducks and find out where you kind of sit on both of those topics. Uh, What's your duck call of choice, and when do you use it versus when do you not use it? Gotcha. Great question. Um, we'll start with, with the calls first. Um, that's that's kind of a personal preference kind of a deal. There's a lot of folks that swear by one brand or another. Um, some folks really just prefer a wooden call. Some really like an acrylic call. Um, some people like a hybrid call. So that's, um, it, it really boils down to personal preference. Um, a wooden call or a single reed call are going to be a little bit quieter. They're going to be softer. Gotcha. Some folks aren't, um, they don't like to scream at ducks and mm-hmm. they feel that less is more and maybe more of a subtle, more natural approach is more effective than, than an overly aggressive approach would be. Um, but also if it's very windy out and it's, let's say it is prime conditions and ducks are really high and you need to get their attention, well, that wooden call is not going to be loud enough to get their attention. So you'll, the, the same, you know, if it's a hardcore duck hunter, he's going to have a, like a softer wooden call. And then he's going to have an acrylic call. And acrylic calls are usually going to be a lot louder. They can be a little raspier depending on how the reed design is on the inside of the call. Um, but usually the general rule of thumb is that an acrylic call is going to be very loud and then a wood call is going to be a little softer. And then the quote unquote hybrid will be the, the best of both worlds, if you will. You'll have, you know, the ability to throw a little bit softer notes out there if the ducks are close and you don't want to scare them, but it'll still have the ability 
for you to put a little bit more air pressure behind it and call a little louder to get their attention if they're flying really high or something like that. Now, Jimmy, I'm gonna run uh, out of time. I gotta ask you this: favorite breed yeah. to duck hunt? Favorite dog breed to duck hunt with? As I run out of time. Uh, I mean, I, the tried and true for me is always going to be a, a black lab. I, I love it. You can't go wrong with the black lab <laughs> for duck no, hunting no, or anything else. As a Duke, my black lab is listening as he does each week to the Carolina Outdoors. Jimmy Dobes, you're the best. Southeast Specialty Outdoors, Hatch, and Grundens. Thank you for jumping on the Carolina Outdoors and sharing your knowledge. Absolutely. Thanks for having us, Bill. We're always excited to be here. Off he goes and off I go. But just for a moment, I'm going to flip back on the other side. You're listening to the Carolina Outdoors.